Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 13, 17 through 14, 4, called Divine Guidance and Protection. Well, in ancient religion and even some religions today, in the pantheon of gods and goddesses, here's what people thought. They thought that the gods and goddesses were much like people. They fought with one another. They vied for positions and power. Some of you know some modern movies show stuff like this. What's all those movies? The uh, Avengers and all this stuff. And these are supposed to be godlike uh, you know, creatures that fight one another. Well, that's kind of how the ancients thought of it. They, they thought that they were much like people. And so Pharaoh might have been thinking, well, since they're wandering aimlessly, maybe the God of Israel abandoned them. Maybe he threw 10 mighty plagues against us and uh, now he's gone. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he decided to take a couple of weeks off. Maybe he's tired after the 10th plague. This is the way that they thought. And it could have been the reasoning of the Pharaoh. That's some conjecture. And so... They, he mounts his chariot. They took 600 select chariots. That's the top of the line. That's the ancient tank in the, in the world. Remember, Israel doesn't even know how to fight. They probably don't even know how to use weapons. Here's the strongest military in the world, 600 choice chariots. All and all the other chariots of Egypt with, the, with officers over all of them. And now they begin to march. They've probably got thousands of chariots. We're going to see from other language here. Their army's been deployed, and they are on the march. And Israel's on foot, and it's probably been only a couple of days, maybe a week or two at the most. And so Israel hasn't gotten far away from Egypt, and now the army's being assembled. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Now you can imagine the sons of Israel had to be having a good day or a good week, right? They went out, they had the jewels, they had everything. They're, they're going to the promised land. Everything, everything's cool, my day's going good. But all of a sudden you begin to hear something that sounds weird in the distance. It sounds like it could be an earthquake. It sounds like maybe galloping horses and all of a sudden you look and on the horizon comes the Egyptian army. And you look back, and your son's out there boogie boarding in the Red Sea. But there's no place to go. If you watch Cecil B. DeMille's depiction of this, Yul Brenner, who's the pharaoh, says, well, their god is a poor general, isn't he? He gave them no escape route, trapped against the Red Sea, and here comes the biggest military in the world. Let me ask you, brethren, how would you respond? You're having a beach day. You laid out your little blankie. You got your crackers and your grapes and everything. Maybe, you know, your umbrella and all of that. And all of a sudden, the mightiest army in the world is coming and nothing between you and them except the only escape route is an ocean. And in the Jewish mind, the ocean, unpredictable and dark, at least this is some of the views of the ocean, was the last place you wanted to go to try to escape. And how would you do it anyway? Would you get in there and start swimming? Where are you going to go? Well, this is what Israel was facing. And so the Egyptians 
uh, as we can surmise, chased after them with all their horses and chariots of Pharaoh. He, he had everybody there, it would seem. He had horses, he had chariots, he had officers, he had his army, horsemen and his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea. It didn't take long. Of course, they traveled swiftly beside Pi Haheroth in front of Baal Zephon. And as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, probably an impressive-looking army, and they became very frightened. And if you can put yourself there just for a moment, I'm not sure most of us could even process the fear of a group of people, a big group of people, but they were not militarily trained, and they were stuck, and here comes this army. Now, sometimes when our enemies are coming at us, we forget what we just read about, that there was a pillar of fire, and there was the cloud, and God was with them. But sometimes we get so focused on the coming enemy, we forget that God's presence is with us. Amen? See, we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith. Paul, using a running imagery from the Olympic Games, has this idea in mind. We're we're to fix our eyes on the finish line, the God who's the uh, originator and perfecter of our faith, instead of looking around at our other competition. And since we're in the middle of the Olympics, you know that if someone running looks around, they lose their pace, and they can get in big trouble. And in the moment, you, none of us can blame Israel. Would, you know, if you were there, I don't know how impressive your faith would be, but we've seen how impressive our faith can be in much smaller things, amen? Something goes wrong at work, on the freeway, in a relationship, and we're setting caravans back to Egypt, baby. Sometimes, do you realize how disappointed you can be with your own heart? How sometimes the smallest thing, you think you're a seasoned Christian and you run into some difficulty and it's nothing like this. It's not the Egyptian army and you're trapped against the sea and all of a sudden you see how weak your heart can be. But to Israel's credit, it would appear at least some of them, the first thing that they did, they became frightened. Look at the end of verse 10. And the sons of Israel cried out, to the Lord. Give them credit. They didn't pray last. They got afraid and they prayed. And when you're afraid, pray. Don't wait till you've done all of your, let's see if I do plan A, B, C, D, E, F, 1, 2, 3 on F, G, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 on G, and nothing else works. Then gulp, family, let's have a meeting, I guess. All we have left to do is pray. No, no, no. And Israel is given credit here in Nehemiah 9.9 for praying. But as uh, J. Vernon McGee put it, they were still hopelessly trapped. He said they were caught between the devil and the deep blue sea. (laughs) And you could hear J. Vernon McGee say it. Trapped between the devil and the deep blue sea. What you gonna do now, brethren, my beloved? So sometimes we pray, but we're still in the situation. We pray, but we still feel trapped. And we're like, well, Lord, when are you going to move? I feel like a sitting duck here. But 
they prayed, but, and maybe this is a separate group of people, but they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? We told you. You know, when they left Egypt, remember the uh, Egyptians were digging graves for all their firstborn that had died. And maybe for some of the people, those graves came to mind. And some of the people might have said something like this. Just start digging graves because we're dead. We're dead. (laughs) The pessimists in the group, could you imagine? Dig my grave now. Give me a shovel. We're all dead. (laughs) All going to (laughs) die. And sometimes that's the attitude that we get. It's all over. No, wait, wait a minute. That pillar of fire is over there. Did you, did you forget about that? Yeah, but we're dead. <laughs> yeah, I know we did 10 mighty you know, plagues in Egypt, but now, well, now we're dead. It's over. Don't you wish there wasn't a verse 11? And poor Moses. <laughs> you know, leadership is a tough gig because... Sometimes when people are not doing well and they're sulking, they blame leaders. Now, no leader is above criticism, and leaders certainly make mistakes, but sometimes leaders get the guff (laughs) of people who the cause is other reasons. If If the church in America ends up divided, it would be one thing if it's over substantive issues like essential doctrine, but it's quite another if we can't even get along with other churches and partner with other churches in our community. If we get separated from our other brethren and we don't stand together now, we're probably not going to stand at all. Amen? And so there's Israel. And Moses would say later in Deuteronomy, but for all this, all that God did for you, you did not trust in the Lord Sometimes I find in my own times of prayer, oh God, forgive me. Help me to trust you. Help me not to go back to my own resources. And they said, is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt? By the way, we don't have a record of this. They may have said it. They may have just said it in the moment as they were sulking. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. You know, one of the saddest things I see in our world these days is sometimes a young person will get saved and a family member will tell them, go back to Egypt, don't bother with that Christianity stuff. That's very sad. I shared with you, uh, I had a a high school friend and I had become a Christian and I came to his house and we had done a lot of stupid stuff together and I told his dad that I had become a Christian and I wanted to become a pastor And he told me, no, don't do that. Anything but that. Thanks for the encouragement. But see, once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, are you going to go back to Egypt? What's there? Egypt is decimated. And their whole army is going to drown anyway. There's nothing to go back to. And so here's a quote from an author that I think is fitting. What was most alarming was Israel's willingness to go right back into bondage. We often get tempted to do the same thing. God wants to bring us all the way out of our sins. Our problem is that we only come out part way. 
We decide to follow Christ, but as soon as we start having problems, we get scared and we go right back to our old ways of coping, anger, addiction, depression, distraction. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak to you if you need prayer or counsel. If you're having a hard time and need someone to talk to, or maybe you don't feel like talking at all, but you could use some prayer, call Walk in Truth on Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Once again, 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Go back to Egypt. Don't bother with that Christianity stuff. That's very sad. I shared with you, uh, I had a, f- a high school friend, and I had become a Christian, and I came to his house, and we had done a lot of stupid stuff together. And I told his dad that I had become a Christian, and I wanted to become a pastor. And he told me, no, don't do that. Anything but that. Thanks for the encouragement. But see, once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, are you going to go back to Egypt? What's there? Egypt is decimated, and their whole army is going to drown anyway. There's nothing to go back to. And so here's a quote from an author that I think is fitting. What was most alarming was Israel's willingness to go right back into bondage. We often get tempted to do the same thing. God wants to bring us all the way out of our sins. Our problem is that we only come out part way. We decide to follow Christ, but as soon as we start having problems, we get scared and we go right back to our old ways of coping, anger, addiction, depression, distraction. No matter how much we hate it, There was a security in the way we used to live. In fact, for Israel, it's all they knew. So we returned to the same old harmful friendships, the same old sinful attitudes, the same old nasty habits. And this is what Israel did in a time of pressure. And pressure often will bring out who we are. And brethren, we're going to have to steal our hearts right now. Here's what I mean by that. I don't know what's ahead of us, But we're going to have to stand strong and stand together. Amen? Amen. This is the reality of where we are. And we can be of good cheer because the same God that gave the victory to Israel will give us the victory. And so they said, didn't we tell you this? Didn't we say, we just want to stay in slavery. Don't don't try to deliver us. I don't want to hear that gospel stuff. (laughs) I, I preach to some people, and they they say, uh, "Oh, yeah, maybe on my deathbed, I'll uh, I'll give my life to the Lord." But here's the problem: in acknowledging a deathbed conversion, you're acknowledging that you believe in God, and what you're basically saying is that you're going to live your whole life for yourself, and then at the last moment, you're going to pray if you get a deathbed experience, which, by the way, is not guaranteed for anybody. And at the last moment, you'll pray the sinner's prayer so you can get into heaven while you live your whole life in rebellion to God. Hmm. Now, God is merciful and certainly saves people on their deathbed, but I think you get the point. Israel is about to get a faith lesson that I think will be forever written 
in their minds and hearts. And Moses, in maybe his greatest uh, leadership response to date, said to the people, and here's where we end, and if you heard nothing else, I have three words of encouragement for you. Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by. And then in verse 14, he says, keep silent. And the NIV says, be still. Now, the keep silent could be quit whining. (laughs) But the NIV has it this way. Don't be afraid, verse 13. Stand firm and then skip down to verse 14. Be still. Now, for some of you who are movers and shakers, that's one of the toughest things for you is to be still and know that he is God. You're not God, he is. And I came from the business world and I was a closer. I was an account executive. I love to close business deals. I like to make things happen in athletics and other areas of my life. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but spiritually speaking, the thing that you gotta realize is that God will often say, don't be afraid, stand firm, be still and watch. Now, some of you might say, and you could certainly hear the chatter among the people of Israel. Moses speaks those words. They sound wonderful, don't they? Don't be afraid. Stand firm. Be still. Yeah. Wait a minute. The Egyptian army's still there. The sea's still here. Uh, how? <laughs> some of you have been Christians for a long time, and you hear promises, and your next question is, how do you do that? I like how it sounds. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. Be still. Cool. How? The whole Egyptian army's right there. How? Well, Moses gives the answer. Take a look. You will see the Lord. You will see the deliverance. The Lord will bring you today. Look at the beginning of 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Here's the answer, brethren. The reason that you cannot be afraid or you don't have to be afraid, you can stand firm and you can be still is the Lord's gonna bring deliverance. And here's a word for you today. The Lord will fight for you today. You know, you hear a message like this and some of you start thinking about your life and what you should be doing and the enemy says, tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. And Annie's saying it. It's only a day away. Tomorrow. The Lord will fight for you today. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. The enemy says tomorrow. God says today. When we were on the corner of Lincoln and Ontario... We, the church was growing and we went to three services and some of you who remember those days we were parking on the grass and breaking fire laws and a pastor showed up he was a visitor to the congregation one Sunday and he said to me Pastor Michael the Lord's doing a work in the church and I want to challenge you with something I want you to pray for miracles I want you to pray that the Lord will do miracles in this body He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Pray that he does miracles. Pray that there's a move of God. Don't you long to see that? He's the same God. We're all talking about revival. How about it starts with us today? How about your marriage improves today? 
your prayer life today. If you haven't been saved, get saved today. If you haven't been serving, serve today. Enough with the tomorrow stuff. Jesus said, you don't even know if you got tomorrow, right? Today's got enough issues of itself. James says, you don't have tomorrow promise to you today. Now, when we often end a message like this, and we're going to have a time of the Lord's Supper, we do the final song, and you're all, I planted the thought in your head about a cheeseburger, and you're all, you know, you're thinking about it, and you're going to take the short way right to the restaurant. And I, and I praise God that we can do that. But if you forget what the Lord has spoken to you, and you don't decide to respond to his word today, you're going to go out the same way you came in here. And every week we have people, multiple people down here, and we're waiting to pray with you. And oftentimes only a handful of you come forward. And I know there's all kinds of needs in this room. Some of you need physical healing. Some of you are depressed. Some of you are broken. Some of you are going through tough stuff. Some of you need to pray with someone to make sure that you know the Lord or to re, you know, dedicate your life to the Lord, whatever it may be. This is your opportunity today. Today. That's what the Lord wants to do in your life is deliver you today. So my prayer for you, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And then as Shane does this last song, it's going to be about this God we've been talking about. I invite you to come. Whether you need salvation, you're going to rededicate your life. You need prayer for healing. We're happy to anoint you with oil and pray over you if you're not doing well. And cry out to the Lord. And let's ask him to move today. Amen? Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for the group that has gathered, thank you that we could celebrate Vacation Bible School and all you did this week. Thank you for the faithfulness of this congregation. Help us, Lord, help me to hear your voice today, to follow you, to know your faithfulness, to know your love, your goodness, that you will never leave us or forsake us. You will lead us through the storms and the valleys and the fires. Thank you that we can remember what Jesus did for us on the cross today as we partake of the elements together. Bless your people, Lord. Encourage their walk. Bless them. Strengthen them. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to Divine Guidance and Protection, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus thirteen seventeen through fourteen four. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak to you if you need prayer or counsel. If you're having a hard time and need someone to talk to, or maybe you don't feel like talking at all, but you could use some prayer, call Walk in Truth on Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844 844- 48 truth once again 844 48 truth now here's pastor michael with a final word well the bottom line is that we have a divine shepherd who is so good so faithful to guide us and to protect us now you might be thinking well i haven't felt too protected lately crazy stuff happens in this world doesn't it and what do i chalk that up to does that mean that god just you know 
let me go or pulled his hand off of my life? No, I don't think so. I think the Lord's always there with his people. But sometimes things just happen in this broken world. And and I don't know how to explain everything, but I can tell you this. We have wonderful promises that nothing's ever outside his love, that he can exploit even tough circumstances for his good purposes. I don't understand every angle of that, brethren, but one thing I do know, he's a faithful shepherd. And if you ever wonder, well, how do I know he really loves me and he's got me? Well, you just look at those nail-pierced uh, hands. You're in good hands. He he took the cross for us. So if that's how much he loves us, I think we can trust him with the rest. I know it's tough sometimes. Hey, if you need someone to talk to, we have a number to call. Pastors available Tuesday through Friday, Pacific time during normal business hours. It's 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. And I pray that you'll call and get some prayer. Or uh, if you need someone to hear your heart, 844-48-TRUTH. We'll see you right here tomorrow for more in the book of Exodus. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a monthly Walk in Truth partner of at least $10 a month or give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 14, 15 through 31 about the parting of the Red Sea called Go Forward. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.